Uh, and uh, John looked at me, and I'm, I'm a grand total at this time of 22 years old. And this was the second church that I was pastoring. Uh, you, 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 you know somebody got their brains knocked out. Anyway, and he looked at me and he said, you can't run off and leave these people. He said, they, they're looking to you. You can't just disappear on them. I said, I was afraid you was going to say that. And so that began a a uh, relationship with Brother John and later Brother Charles and Brother Curtis Foreman and others. Those of you who go to the conference in Gatlinburg, there's so many people there that we met in 1977. And some recently went to heaven. Uh, but um, it was also the year we met Scott and Donna Sims. Uh, and uh, uh, Adam and Aaron weren't even born when we met them. And here they are, almost 22 years married. Uh, so anyway, a significant year. But it's the year I met Brother Charles Simpson. Now, I had listened to him, as many people would say. For years on cassette tapes. Now, if you don't know what a cassette tape is, just come see me after, and I'll explain it to you. But I'd heard his voice literally for many years and read his writings, but was fortunate to be able to meet Brother Charles in 1977. And, uh, of course, he's, he's uh, been in the ministry as long as I've been alive. And, uh, and still counting, still, he just, I'm, I'll let him tell you about it, but he's just coming off of a pretty lengthy trip, um, uh, sort of around the world kind of a trip, but um, he hasn't slowed down. He's still pastoring folks around the world, uh, literally, and uh, uh, is, is a well-acclaimed and well-accomplished teacher of the Scripture, but, he's, but I, I call it an honor to call him my pastor. I was thinking today of one of the things that I treasure, uh, and I gave Brother Charles a copy of this, but one of the things I treasure, and you might not think much of it, but I do, I have a DVD from 1985 of Brother Charles and his dad, Brother Vernon Simpson, pitching horseshoes for a, for a fairly lengthy amount of time out in the front yard of some folks. And uh, my wife and I were, had, were fortunate to know Brother Vernon, Mrs. Simpson, and we were fortunate to be in their home more than once. So we know where he comes from. We know the family that he comes from. And so it's no surprise to me that it probably was to you. It might have been to Brother Vernon. I don't know that you turned out to be such a, a great man, man of God. You said it, you said your parents weren't impressed, but, it, <laughs> but we're impressed. Let's welcome the man of God, Charles Simpson. Thank you. That's such a wonderful introduction. I wish you'd have kept going a little bit, uh, or get it recorded and send it to my family back home. They wouldn't believe it. Amen. The Lord is good, isn't he? I know it's your custom to stand at the reading of the Word of God. Let's all stand, and I will read from the book of Acts. The first chapter from the English Standard Version, and I'm doing something this morning I've never done publicly. I'm reading it on my iPhone, and I'm without my notebook. I'm going to share out of my heart this morning, and trust God, I try to always do that, but this time I'm doing it without any notes, 
As the pastor said, I just came off of a 4,000-mile trip and about 22 stops, and there's not a lot of me left, but I trust God can turn ashes into something useful. I'll read verse 1, Acts 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. After he'd given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed in his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witness, witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking up, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, ye men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Let's pray. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for this story. Help us to to get it, help us to receive it, help us to eat it, drink it, breathe it, help it to become not just part of us, but us, Lord, like the early Christians. I pray, Father, that you will help us to have your perspective as much as possible for the times in which we live. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. I'd like to call names of people that I haven't seen in a long time, but I, I, I would I would uh, run out of names <laughs> because, uh, well, anyway, those of you who are older, you know what it is to run out of names. <laughs> How are you, brother? <laughs> Sister? <laughs> Brother John, it's good to see you. Anyway, thank God for friends. Isn't that a good thing? Perspective in transition. Perspective in transition. Let's say it together. Perspective in, how many of you know we're in transition? Uh, my, my, what a transition. This is uh, not a seasonal transition. 
This is a millennial transition. That's different. Night is a transition between days. Hopefully a nice transition. The transition between seasons where you get a little bit of the last one, a little bit of the next one at the same time. There are transitions of all kinds, but a millennial transition, it might take a hundred years. Ten percent of a given age or season might be given to transition. So I think you all agree. I don't have to try to prove that we're in transition. Uh, I thought, be glad to get back to normal, and somebody said, no, this is normal. <laughs> it won't be like it used to be. For those of you that are wanting it to be, I don't want to encourage you but or discourage you, but it's not likely to be like it used to be. And um, by the way, we probably won't be like we used to be either. God's doing something in us. In the midst of the change, it's not just the season that's changing, it's his people. And the dynamics around us will force us, press us to change. If you're like me, I don't like the word personally, change. (laughs) That's what I'd like to see happen to other people, but I don't... I don't, don't tell me I need to change. I, I know that, but who cares? I don't want to change. <laughs> I like everything right where it is. I want to know everything has its place. My dad said everything has a place. I like to, I like to know exactly where it is. Now it's all up in the air. And by the way, traveling, <laughs> if you like things the way they are, stay home. It's just, just, <clears throat> People have different habits. Anyway, so Jesus chooses these guys. I can hardly talk about it because it's so personal. They are, they are crude. I don't want to say some words that we would use about those kind of people, but they were crude. They were fishermen, commercial fishermen. And, of course, one was a crook, tax collector. And uh, there were, you know, they were a, a bunch. And they weren't Judeans except for the one that betrayed him. I think about that because that's the kind of people God uses. I believe humility is the mother of all virtue. And it's the people who know they don't know that God can use. It's the people who think they know that get in trouble. Pride goes before destruction. So Jesus takes these people through transition. Let's say it again. Transition. I started teaching on transition in the 80s. I felt God showed me that with the millennial change and all, there's going to be a lot of transition. A friend of mine, Mike Coleman, who started Integrity Worship Music, some of you know about Integrity. We were talking, we talked, we spent a long time, he lived in the area and worked for me for a while, and 
and um, I felt God would join us in a conversation, and and he's, he presented the wave theory, uh, and he has, by the way, great teaching on transition. Um, but he said, you know, light is a wave, and sound is a wave, and time is a wave, and everything's a wave. Life is a wave. And keeping your perspective when you're up top is hard sometimes. You think it's permanent. And when you start going downhill a little bit, you'll rebuke the devil a whole lot. But it, you will do some sliding from time to time. Not necessarily backsliding, but you're no longer here because you can't get there without going here. And uh, then down at the bottom, it's easy to lose your perspective. In fact, it's easy anywhere. In the dark. In the night. And yet, night is a creative time. Night is when you dream. Jesus was born at night. Night is not just the end of a day, according to the Jewish calendar. It's the beginning of a new day. And so if you handle the perspective right in the dark, if you handle it right when it's down, you can start going back up to another place. And I believe we're in that bottom time. Now, the reason what I'm reading this chapter because they were at the bottom. Um, remember, these are not highly educated. These are not like the Apostle Paul. These guys are rough. Remember when Jesus first met Peter, or Peter met Jesus, he fell down on his knees and said, Get out of my boat, I'm a sinful man. And he wasn't just blowing smoke. He was. He was the kind of guy that would cut your head off. He was the kind of guy that would lie. And that was after being with Jesus three and a half years. I know there's nobody like that in here, but uh, he was a rough guy. And Thomas, he was a doubter. And James and John, they needed anger management. They wanted to call down fire on cities. How about that? And, and these are disciples. I'm sure there's nobody like that in here, but... <laughs> anyway, um, um, sometimes you just want to praise God, burn them up, you know, <laughs> or, or at least watch God do it, you know. <laughs> and then it all came down. They um, they knew they heard Jesus called the Son of David. Now, who was David? Well, he's the greatest king in all of Israel. He was he was somebody. He won a lot of victories. Love to think about and talk about David. He wrote the Psalms. He also wrote Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. They'd heard Jesus called Son of David. 
So what 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 is the normal assumption? What what are you what are you naturally going to think when the one you're following is called the son of David? Well, you think he's going to reign on the throne. He's going to conquer the enemy. He's going to He's going to bring Israel and Jerusalem back to great prominence. He's going to drive the Romans out. And um, none of that worked quite that way. And their perspective was lost in the transition. And it was the biggest transition in all of history. There's nothing to compare to what happened the day Jesus was crucified and the day he rose again. All histories redated from that time, from his birth. And so they were in something that was over their heads, and I want to tell you what I, my opinion is. We're in something that's over our heads. A Jewish rabbi said, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Anybody having trouble making plans lately? And so it all came tumbling down. Of course, Peter denied that he even knew Jesus. And nobody believed when the ladies came back from the empty tomb and said, Jesus is risen. And an angel told us. And uh, they weren't convinced. And then even after the other disciples saw him, Thomas wasn't convinced. He said, I won't believe unless I see the scars. And Jesus showed him his scars. And Paul says that Jesus appeared to over 500 people at one time. So Jesus gathers up the, the, uh, the broken pieces. And gives them a different perspective. And remember, perspective is everything. Seeing how something fits in the larger picture helps you to endure it, to appreciate it. But if you lose the perspective, what's happening right at the moment could cause you to take your life. Or hurt somebody. Or wind up in prison. And so perspective keeps you stable. It, one Sunday, we had one of those church services that you dream about if you're a pastor. One of the best ever had. Choir was beautiful. The house was full. Everything was good. And people were joining the church. People got saved. And I was just feeling great. And the Lord spoke to me while all that was happening. He said, remember the tough days that you, that got you here. And he said, there'll be more of them. Don't forget a day like today. It makes it worth it. And it kind of leveled me out. Now perspective does that. It kind of levels us out. So Jesus gathers them again. And uh, th- that took a little bit to get them back together. He took them up 
in the hills and began to instruct them again. And he had said a lot, and they believed it, but they hadn't experienced it. I mean, if you understand, it's one thing to believe it. It's another thing to experience it, to go through it. You know, you say, yeah, I believe that. And then one day you're in it. (laughs) And you say, how did this happen? I don't believe in this. (laughs) This is not what the pastor told me was going to happen. Anyway, uh, I don't mean Brother Larry particularly. (laughs) But, you know, you think, you know, follow Jesus and it will solve all your problems. (laughs) I don't say that. He will help you solve your problems. (laughs) He gathers them together. And there are three things on his mind. How many of you know that a person's last words are important? When they distill everything that's in their hearts and they share it with you. Now, If they call that a last will and testament, that's a covenant between the dead and the living. And if they say in that, I want my cat to have all my money, the judge will see that the cat gets it. Now you say, well, that's foolish. Well, it is, but it's happened. Why? Because it's a covenant. And people who value their word when they say something, that's a distillation of their heart, those who receive it feel a certain bond to fulfill it. That was certainly true in that culture. There are three things, and I'll try not to be too long. The first was the kingdom. He spent 40 days teaching them concerning the kingdom of God. How many of you like to have those tapes, Pastor? Wouldn't you love to have that? That was before reel-to-reel, too. Wow. Um, Forty days. But see, his message had been the kingdom all along. And they believed the message... But what they thought the kingdom was is not what it was. So their perspective. You know, I was talking to some of the brothers out there. A gyroscope, and I couldn't remember the name. Somebody helped me find it. A gyroscope is is a line, a level line, usually with a round circle that tells you what's level. And if you're a pilot... And I'm not, but we have had planes. You can get vertigo. You can actually go upside down and think you're not. A gyroscope. Perspective. Man, we all need one. Because sometimes we're tilted way over here and we don't realize we're out of sync. So Jesus says... Let me tell you about the kingdom. It's not like David's kingdom. This is my kingdom. It's a kingdom, but it's a different kingdom. It's not political. 
It's in the Spirit. See, a verse that changed my life. I was actually baptized in the Holy Spirit reading this verse. And I, I, I can't go there, but Romans fourteen seventeen, The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And when I read joy in the Holy Spirit, I started chuckling. And I hadn't laughed in a while. Um, but it just, it just came out of here. It's joy. <laughs> In the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, King James. <laughs> Don't you want joy? How many of you think our country needs some joy? How many of you think the churches need some joy? Yeah. Um, and so I saw the kingdom different. See, I, I, I'm, I'm, I come out of a premillennial fundamental dispensational and whatever other hyphens you can think of background. I taught, I taught a year out of Revelation, six months out of Daniel, three months out of Ezekiel before I realized I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> At least I had more to learn. And, uh, I had the charts. I, I drew on the blackboard. I, I believe, and I believe in the kingdom. We packed the church out on Sunday night because people love prophecy. They want somebody to tell them when the kingdom's coming. By the way, Jesus said that's not for you to know. Be good to remember that. He said the Father's reserved it in his own power. But he spent 40 days, say 40 days, 40 days. I doubt many of you would hang around 40 days to hear one of us teach on the kingdom. 40 days. How many of you know there's more to the kingdom than we know? The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the whole, in the whole. Brother Baxter is a great preacher. He said the, the, the semantics of that, the, the grammatic, uh, arrangement, you could say the entire kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. So if we don't, if we don't, if we don't pay attention to the Holy Spirit, we're really not living in the kingdom. And Jesus said, you, I will not leave you as offerings. I'll be with you in the Holy Spirit. Now, maybe you agree with me when I say the church needs to pay a lot more attention to the Holy Spirit. I know the Holy Spirit comes that we might glorify Jesus. But... He comes, and we really can't glorify Jesus without the Holy Spirit. So, the kingdom, his government. You say, well, do you believe he's going to reign on the earth a thousand years? Sure, I do. I believe it. But I believe the kingdom's now, too. I believe I can walk with the Lord now, not just on earth. There's more to this than the physical. Jesus used physical parables to teach spiritual truth, but it wasn't about the parable. It was about the spiritual truth. And and they said, well, why do you always speak to those Pharisees in parables? He said, it's not given to them to know. They know the story, but they don't know what it means. But he said, it's given to you. 
parables and natural things or veils that have to be rent so we can see what's on the other side. That's where we're going in the spirit. So he had to disabuse them that there was a political answer to the kingdom that he promised. I wish there Sometimes I wish there was. I, I, I'd like to see things better, wouldn't you? I would. I'd like to see a leader come along. But the trouble is, there's not such a person. The king of the kingdom is who? We sang about it. Overall, I love that. It's great. So he spent 40 days on the kingdom. So, should that be part of our emphasis? Yeah. We, we, we need to pay a little attention to what the kingdom is. And I, I'd have a little ongoing debate with a guy who's intelligent and wealthy, and, and he says, you spiritualize everything. I said, well, everything is spiritual. If, we, if you only see the natural, you haven't seen the eternal reality. If you just look at something and you say, well, I got it figured out, you, you, you don't. The second thing he talked about was the Holy Spirit. He said, you will receive the promise of the Father, which you've heard. Matthew 3.11. Matthew, what is it, 24.49. Anyway, the Father promised to receive the Holy Spirit. John said, I baptize you with water, but the one coming after me, who is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to lace up, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's a promise from God that we will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And I assume, I believe that Pentecost tells us what it would be like. There are other, there are other stories in the scripture about that too, but Pentecost is the epitome of what happened. People want to argue about the Holy Spirit. Well, we need the Holy Spirit. Some places you get kicked out if you receive the Holy Spirit. I got investigated seven years over the Holy Spirit by people who love Jesus. But afraid of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes they're afraid of the Holy Spirit because of the way Holy Spirit people have act, acted, I guess. I don't know. But we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't deal with what we have to deal with in our own strength. We need a an awakening, the power of God. But awakenings don't come until we get together. It took unity. It took Forgiveness. I don't know what all those guys talked about in the upper room, but they had a lot to talk about. Peter, I heard you. You said you didn't even know Jesus. Well, <laughs> I was under a lot of pressure. <laughs> I heard you was going to cut a guy's head off and missed and hit his ear, even in the prayer meeting. Well, I don't know what happened. Are you there? These are real guys. This really did happen. It was a different denomination than we're in, but it happened. Yeah. 
They had a lot to deal with. Amen? They had a lot to get over. The kingdom, the Holy Spirit, the kingdom is in the Holy Spirit, and the mission. Go, therefore, and preach the gospel to the ends of the nation. Then he was taken up. So I want to talk to you about the kingdom because you misunderstood it, but I want to tell you what it's about. It's about my government in the Holy Spirit. It fulfills everything the Old Testament, the Old Covenant said. I want to talk to you about the promise, which you haven't received yet, but you will. I want you to go to Jerusalem and humble yourself and pray and seek my face. And then I want you to go everywhere and preach the gospel. I said the gospel. Not your opinion. The gospel is a simple story. It, it, it wasn't simple when it happened, but it's, it's, it, it can be told briefly. Jesus Christ, Son of God, crucified for our sins, rose again on the third day, ascended to heaven, and will come again in like manner. And so <clears throat> he said, Oh, he said, wait for the promise before you go. A lot of people try to do it without the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you share the truth with somebody, it's different than when you just tell them something. There's something contagious about the Holy Spirit. The kingdom... The Holy Spirit, the mission. Saints, the hardest thing, I think, about being a pastor, and I have been, is handling church problems with people who don't go on the mission, who are not giving themselves to helping others. See, if we, As long as we're trying to help others with the truth and the gospel and the spirit, we'll stay alive. God will take care of us. But when we start thinking about how to take care of ourselves, then problems start. Because somebody's offended me and somebody's done this. And this it's tough. It is tough. I mean, I'm not minimizing. I'm not making this easy. My mother was a German Cajun in the swamps of Louisiana, one of 12 kids. I'm talking swamp people. And if you ever saw swamp people on TV, you might have seen some of my relatives. And they they have genes, folks. I know Brother Larry and his family know. They lived in Homa, Louisiana. My dad's best friend lived in Homa. Uh, and you have genes that... Those genes, they they still same genes they were. <laughs> I don't want to say too much. I will. I'll have to. 
use bad language to say it, and I don't want to do that. But, I mean, they're the kind of people that don't feel the need to be politically correct. They just tell you what they think. And if they don't, you can read their eyes. Um, I'm not boasting. I'm just saying this is not easy to say, I don't, I'm not going to worry about what you do to me. I'm going to serve the Lord. Because it's easier to say, you did that to me. You better watch out. Some unsaved friends will get you. It's hard. And, and it's hard for me to even tell you, but tell you this, but it's hard to lay your life down. It's not my nature, probably not yours either. (laughs) But we have to, because our Lord did. Kingdom, Holy Spirit, mission. Let's say it together. Kingdom, Holy Spirit, mission. Those were his last words. He was serious. I pray God will help us. I love this church, pastor and family and worship team. You're very blessed. I pray God will help us in this transition. Not to lose our gyroscope. Keep our perspective. Those three things haven't changed a bit and they're not going to. We need to stay focused on them. That's what we'll be accountable for. The kingdom. The power of the spirit which we desperately need. And the great commission. Go make disciples. And don't worry about what's going to happen. Just do it. Thank you. God bless you.